Thanks for checking out the Oasis Church podcast from Camden, Arkansas. Each week we share the message from our Sunday worship service. Join us anytime. More information at camdenoasischurch.com. Well, hey, Oasis Church family. Man, I'm excited about today. We're pressing on in our series, Questions That God Asks. Now, here's the thing. I don't think anybody here struggles with the question that we're going to see God ask today. But but, but just in the off chance, I'm going to need everybody here at the sound of my voice, make me a pinky promise that when I mention the topic, the subject of today, man, you're not going to tune out. You're not going to zone out. Man, you're going to stay engaged all the way through. So pinky fingers, put them in the air. Repeat after me. I promise. So I'll say it with me. I promise to listen all the way through. In Jesus' name, amen. Here it is. Today, we are going to talk about complaining. Look at what God said in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27. He says, why do you complain, Jacob? God asked Jacob, why do you complain? There was a cowboy that was driving down a dirt road. His favorite dog was riding in the back of his truck, and Old Faithful Horse was in the trailer behind it. But he got in a horrible accident. About that time, a, a police officer came around the corner, and uh, he sees this, this chaotic scene in front of him. But the thing was, he was a huge animal lover. We got out of the car. He started walking around. That's when he saw the horse, and he's realizing that just the serious of the nature of its injuries, like this, this horse is hurting. You can tell that nothing's going to happen, so he pulls out his gun, and he extinguishes the animal, puts it out of his misery. About that time, the, the officer walks around the other side of the truck and he sees the dog and he says, man, I, I know this dog isn't going to make it. He's just whining and hurting and he's so much pain. So he did what he always does. He pulls the gun back out and he extinguishes the call. Finally, <clears throat> he comes around the corner and there's the cowboy. And this cowboy has got multiple fractures and he looks at him and he says, man, are you, you okay? And the cowboy took one good look at the smoking gun in the trooper's hand. And he said, yep. I've never felt better. There was a monk that joined a monastery, and he took a vow of silence. About after 10 years, uh, he was able to approach his superior, called him in, and he said, do you have anything to say? The monk thought about it for a moment, and he said, food, bad. All right. After another 10 years passed, the monk again had the opportunity to come and voice his thoughts. He approaches his superior. He said, you got anything to say? He said, bed, hard. We're 20 years now. Another 10 years pass. We're 30 years now. And the superior calls him in. He says, hey, do you got anything to say? And he said, I quit. And then what, but the superior went on and said, look, that doesn't surprise me a bit. All you've done is complain ever since you got here. Webster Dictionary defines complaining this way. Complaining, the expression of dissatisfaction or annoyance about something. So get this. So God comes to Jacob and asks him, why do you complain? Why are you dissatisfied? Why are you annoyed with me? Now, here's the thing. Man, the Bible talks a lot about this subject. The Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 9, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear Psalms 106, 24, and 25. Then they despised the pleasant land, having no faith in his promise. They murmured in the tents and they did not obey the voice of the Lord. Look, you can turn to Numbers chapter 11 and the heading, the heading says the people complain. Let's talk about it for a moment. Anybody know any professional complainers? Some of you are like, no one. I'm married to one, and he's complaining right now. Like, they are a card-carrying professional, always griping, always complaining about something. 
I believe when it comes to the word of God, our best example of professional complainers is the children of Israel. Now you can turn to almost any Old Testament passage and you're going to find them more than likely they're going to be complaining. But I believe probably one of the best instances about complaining is Numbers chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Numbers chapter 11. It's about the children of Israel complaining about God's provision and his protection. The Bible says this in Numbers 11, verse 1, And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So the name of that place was called Tabra, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. The people of Israel also wept and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing. Look at it again. There is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Now, for sake of time this morning, we're not going to read this whole chapter, but I want you to see the structure here. Verses 1 uh, through 3 is just an, one isolated event. It's it's a snapshot of complaining. And then you read verses 4 through verse 35, and it's a completely different event. Verses 1 through 3 are showing us that the children of Israel are stuck in this habit of complaining. But did you notice that it just says that they complain? Man, don't miss this. It doesn't even tell us what they're complaining about. No details. No insight. We have no clue. The chapter opens up with the people complained. Now, we might not know what they complained about, but here's what we do know. The Bible tells us it displeased the Lord. Look back at verses 1. And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. And if you have your version app open, there is a picture there of, of the children of Israel and how the camp is set up. So get the image. Here's the children of Israel, some two, two to three million strong. And when they complain, that complaining displeases the Lord, and he disciplines them. And the Bible tells us that he set a fire on the outlying parts of the camp. Now watch their response. Look at verse 2. It says, the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed the Lord and the fire died down. Get the picture. They come to Moses. Moses, Moses, we're, we're sorry. Fred and Wilma, they got burned up. We can't believe it. We're sorry. Please, please. And then Moses, he intercedes on their behalf and the fire dies down. Now look, here's what we hope happens. We hope that the this children of Israel, these people, they learn their lesson. Question, put yourself in their sandals for just a moment. If that's you there that day, would you have learned your lesson? I think we all would have. I, like if my neighbors, Jen, Justin, and then Gwen and Chester, if they're burned up <clears throat> because all they do is complain, hey, listen to me. I'm going to learn my lesson. Man, I'm not going to be complaining anymore. But watch this. Did you notice it says, verse 1, that the fire was on the outlying parts of the camp? Hey, don't miss this. When the children of Israel would make camp, in the center of the camp was the tabernacle. It's the house of the Lord, the very presence of God. And then you have all the different tribes, and they're camped around the presence of the Lord. Then it goes out from there to some other people who aren't all that close to the Lord. So, so there are the people that are the closest to the Lord at the camp, and they're who, listen to me, by and large, they're the ones that are worshiping the Lord. And I think that's what we see today in our church. I think that's what we see today here in our driving church in our parking lot. There are some of you here today 
and you've come to the house of the Lord, and the whole way here, man, you are, your heart is singing, you're praising the Lord just because of the goodness of God, and you got toilet paper. I mean, it's a lavender scent of toilet paper, but hey, it is toilet paper, and you're so thankful. Your, your heart is filled with praise because you get to worship today at the church house, even though you're in your car, and man, your heart is filled with this faith, and that faith produces this thanksgiving and this gratitude and this attitude of praise. But there are others of you Man, you complain the whole way to church. And when this is over, you're going to be complaining again. And that's nothing new because that's what you've done all week long. Like complaining is your spiritual gift. And that's what we see in the children of Israel is this pattern of complaining. But here's what I love about our text because God is about to bring you inside the camp to show you what's really going on. Look at Numbers chapter 11, verse 4. It says, Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. The New Living Translation says this foreign rabble. If you have a King James Version or a New King James Version, it says mixed multitude. If you have a Christian Standard Bible, it says riffraff. The Good News Translation says the foreigners. And here's why this is so important. Because there was a group of people that came out of Egypt with the children of Israel, but they weren't Israelites. You can go back and look at Deuteronomy 29, 11 and Joshua chapter 8, verse 35, and it tells us that there was foreigners with the Israelites. Some of them served as woodcutters. Others served as water bearers. Many theologians believe that it was these foreigners that were the first ones to experience this this dissatisfaction with the manna that God was providing over and over. And their happiness quickly spread to the Israelites. Because watch what happens in verse 4. Now, the rabble that was among them, they had a strong craving. Watch it. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there is nothing, nothing, nothing at all but this manna to look at. You got one group of people that is influencing another. Question, do you have some rabble in your life? Oh, come on now. Do you have some people in your life that every time you get around them, all of a sudden it seems like they are influ influencing you to make a decision to go a different direction when you should be influencing them to the better. You're hanging out with people and you're doing life with people who are always influencing you in the wrong direction. Let me caution you, family, to be very, very, very careful because what happened to them has the potential to happen to you. The company you keep, the people you hang out with, the people you call your friends, you need to be careful because if they're a bunch of complainers, it's going to be real easy for you to fall into that mindset. Hey, regardless of where you are today, I've noticed that one or two things happens when people aren't complaining. People are either going to get sucked into it, they're going to be able to draw, be drawn into it, and they're going to start complaining, or it's not going to take long, and the people, and they just get tired of it. Nobody wants to hang out with somebody who complains all the time. So in this story, this riffraff, this rabble, this mixed multitude said they had a strong craving for some different food. Now watch the mindset here. They're not happy with their current circumstance or situations, which causes them to complain. But not only that, it seems to distort everyone's memory. Look at what's said in verses 4 through 6. And they look back on their life. Man, we missed the good old days of Egypt. Weren't they the fish? Oh, weren't they the best? Oh, the fish. Do you remember the fish? Man, we had all the fish we could eat and the melons. Do you remember the melons? Oh, I miss the melons and the onions and the cucumbers and the garlics and the leeks. Egypt was like the golden corral of the day, just a buffet of food. Now, help me here, church. I, I, I might be confused, but 
I don't really know if that's the case. Because when I go back and read the story of the children of Israel in Egypt, those things don't stand out to me at all. The Bible says that they were under the rule of a harsh Pharaoh. Not only that, but they worked under harsh taskmasters. And the Bible tells us it was so harsh that they were groaning out to God, God, would you please get us out of that place? If that wasn't bad enough, Pharaoh wanted them to kill all the male children because he was intimidated by their population. They were in slavery for 400 years. Everything about Egypt was hard. So when I hear them say this, all I'm thinking is like, boy, you've lost your ever-loving mind. They have this rosy perspective of their past that's not even remotely true. Why? Listen, because when you are dissatisfied with your current situation, it'll not only distort your perspective about the past, man, but it will distort your perspective about the present. Let me say that again. When you are dissatisfied with your current situation, it will distort your perspective about your past and it will distort your perspective about your present. Can I tell you something about you today? Man, I'm looking at you guys and every one of us is blessed. I mean, most of us here, well-fed. Some of us were extra well-fed. Man, we are we have clothes on. You come to church today in your PJs because of the car. You've got a roof over your head, a vehicle to drive. you got food on your plate. you got internet and Netflix and the Tiger King. Like the list could go on and on and on. Family, I want you to know that God has taken care of you. And if you think that God has blessed you, I just want you to, you to hear, hear that. Man, God has blessed you. I'm here to tell you that 90% of life is all about your perspective. And you can either focus on, on, on praise about what God has done for you and what he's doing in your life today, or you can focus on the small slither on what's wrong in life, on what's inconvenient. But here it is, and I'm going to say this again twice for the people in the back. Listen to me. You can turn today, which is an absolute blessing, into a day of gloom. You can turn today, which is an absolute blessing, into a day of despair. You can turn today, which is an absolute blessing, into a day of misery. You can turn today, which is an absolute blessing, into a day of hopelessness. Listen, you can turn today, which is a blessing from God, into a day of gloom, despair, misery, and hopelessness. All by complaining. Because here's the way they said it. We want the fish. We want the melons. We want the onions because we are sick and tired of God's heavenly provision of manna. Now, here's the thing. I've never been on a long extended period of time where for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I had to eat the same thing over and over and over again. Don't get me wrong. Over the past two, two months of this COVID-19, I've eaten a lot of groceries and I can't wait to sit down in one of our 12 Mexican restaurants and eat some chips and hot sauce, some takeout, anything else but groceries. So I get it. I understand that there has to be some frustrations here. But look at the manna for just a moment because this was God's bountiful provisions for the Israelites. I mean, think about this. They're in the neighborhood of about 3 million people in the wilderness. So let's do some math here. And let's just say that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Each person ate about a pound of manna for all three meals. It's a pound for breakfast, a pound for lunch, and a pound for supper. That puts in the neighborhood of nine million pounds of manna every single day. Is that not insane? God provided for them every day for 40 years. So imagine it this way. Imagine you and your family. Man, you're out camping in the backwoods of some rural place, and God provides 
all your provisions for 40 years. Incredible, right? But it gets even better. Check this out. Not only does God feed them, but it's free. They don't have to go to Walmart or Max to buy anything. Not only does God feed them, and not only is it free, but he delivers. This is like the GitHub of the day. So not only does God feed them, and not only is it free, and not only does God deliver, but this manna that he provides has to be the best, most healthiest nutritional meal of the day on planet Earth. You know why? Because they ate it for 40 years, morning, noon, and night. Think about it this way. If you only eat Little Debbie's, whoo, praise Jesus, for 40 years, look, I'm not going to look pretty at the end of the day. This manna had to contain the perfect amount of nutritional value. Now, now, we don't know the nutritional facts of the day about the manna that God sent, but it was the perfect food. Not only was it perfect, but it was versatile. Man, you could bread bake it, you could fry it, you could boil it. Imagine the first Jewish cookbook, 360 ways to cook manna. You got manna witch, you got manna roni, you got manna meatloaf, you got manna casserole, we got manna cakes. It is manna, manna, manna. Now, look, I know I'm talking a lot about food right now, but listen to what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 16, verse 31. Now, the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like a coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Numbers chapter 11, you can go back and read it. Verse 8 says that it tasted like pastries baked in olive oil. Look, people, you can dip anything in olive oil, and it's going to be good. And God provided them for 40 years in every way, shape, and form. Hey, come real, real close to me this morning. I know some Christians that might even be sitting in our parking lot today. And God has been so good to you. And you are blessed beyond measure. And yet all you do is you take everything he's done for you for granted. When you get down to it, there's not a thankful, worshiping, praising bone in your body for the things that God has done for you. Because you and I and our sinful nature has the ability for us to the ability for us to complain about everything. Reminds me of a farmer who was notorious for always griping and complaining, always finding something negative to gripe about. So during farming season, all the farmers were always anxious to kind of hear his latest gripe. There, there was one season that they had more rain and not enough sun, so he griped and complained that, hey, our crops are probably going to rot in the ground. Hey, the next season, it was too dry, and he would complain that the heat's going to drought like this, all not enough rain, all this stuff's going to end up burning up. But one season, listen to me, everything was perfect. The perfect amount of rain, perfect amount of sun. I mean, this was going to be the bumper crop. And the harvest time came, and it was. Nobody over the last 25 years had ever seen anything like this. The farmers got together after the harvest, and everybody was thinking the exact same thing. There is no way. No way this guy has anything negative or he can complain about anything. But he impressed him. They said, hey, man, what do you think about this year? Perfect amount of rain, perfect amount of sun, crop of a lifetime. He said, they said he hung his head, looked at him and said, a crop like this one, man, it sure takes the nutritions out of the ground. I mean, I think we've all met that farmer before, always griping, always complaining about something. But I read another story this past week about a pastor who was just opposite. You see, his congregation was blown away by the fact that Sunday after Sunday, he would always open up service with what he was thankful for. News about him spread throughout the town, how just encouraging and thankful he was. But one winter, man, they had the storm of a lifetime. This huge winter storm came and dropped feet upon feet of snow, sleet, and ice. Everything was froze. Sunday morning came, and they showed up at the church, and everybody was curious. Man, what's he going to say today? I mean, how in the world could you be thankful for a day like this? Pastor got behind the pulpit, 
a little bit of a long pause. Everyone's on pins and needles. He looked at his church and said, Lord, we're thankful that the rest of our days here are not like this one. Hey, listen to me, family. There is something, there is always something to be thankful for. One last thing I want to say about the provision of manna that God sent, and it's this. The Bible gives us this commentary on this manna in the book of Psalms, Psalm 78, verses 24 and 25. And he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them the grain of heaven. Man ate of the bread of angels. He sent them food in abundance. Now, some of the commentators believe that the writer here is speaking poetically, but others believe that he is declaring a truth and that truth that they were given on a daily basis, the food that angels ate. That means then, here it comes. You ready for it? This is the original food cake. It's terrible. So we spent all morning long looking at complaining, but I want to ask you this. Is there a right way to complain? Is there a right way to complain? Look, Pastor Moses, man, he has had it with these people. Matter of fact, if you go back and you read through his life, this is what might be the most dramatic scene in his entire life. Moses is at his breaking point right now. And he just comes to this place where he comes to God and he says, look, just kill me. I can't handle these people and they're complaining anymore. Look what happens in verse 10. Moses heard the people weeping through, uh, throughout their clans. Everyone's at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. Moses said to the Lord, why have you dealt ill with your servant, and why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child? To, to the land that you swore to give your fathers, verse 13, where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I'm not able to carry all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, here it is, kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight that I may not see my wretchedness. Now, when I read this, I can't help but think that Moses's complaint isn't all that different from theirs. I mean, am I right? But watch this. This is so big. It's where Moses directed his complaint to that made all the difference. Moses directs his complaint to the Lord. Can I share something with you that maybe nobody's ever told you before? Do you know that the Lord can handle your complaints? Look, all of us here today, we have all these different frustrations in our lives with with different issues and problems and Man, they're going to be ongoing. They did then, and we do today. And what most people don't realize is when you complain horizontally, man, all you're doing is infecting other people and moving people further and further away from where they need to be. The Bible encourages you and I to bring our complaints to the Lord. Psalm 62, verse 8, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Look, you and I need to continually thank God and praise God for his goodness and his blessings. But I also need to come to him and share my burdens. A great psalm for you to go back and read is Psalms 55, but I just want you to look at the first two verses. This one says, give, give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am rest, restless in my complaint, and I moan. Psalms 142, verses 1 through 2. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. 
Oh, church, listen to me today. I can tell God about my problem. I can bring all my frustrations and my concerns. And here's why this is so important. This is what we have to do. Because when we do this, I'm telling the one who can actually do something about it. Can I say that again? When you bring your complaints, when you bring your frustrations to the Lord, you are telling the only one that can actually do something about it. And that's what Moses does in this prayer. And in this prayer, Moses makes two requests. He says, I can't take this any longer alone. It's too much for me. The second one is this, where in the world am I going to get meat for two or three million people? Now, we're going to look at more about this on our video on our Facebook page on Wednesday night. But Moses in our text says, are we going to take all the fish out of the sea and feed them or kill all the cattle to be able to feed them? God, how are we going to do this? And we discover for the very first time, this incredible man of God, this man of faith, Moses, has began to slide towards doubt and unbelief, listen, through the influence and the complaining of other people. And I love God's response. Numbers eleven twenty three says, And the Lord said to Moses, Is the Lord's hand shortened? Check this out. Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. The New Living Translation says it this way. Has my arm lost its power? Another translation says, is there a limit to my power? Now you can read the rest of the story later, but listen to me. God answers Moses' prayer. But, but it was only when Moses comes to God with his complaints. So here's what I want to do. I want to just ask you right now, in this moment, what are the things that you are griping about? What are the things that you are frustrated with? What are the things that you are complaining about so much in this season of life to everybody else, but not to the Lord? I want you to take out a pen and paper, cell phone, whatever it might be. And man, I just want you to find two or three things right now that you just find yourself griping and being frustrated with and complaining about. I want you to type them out, and then I want you to spend the next five minutes just come to the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry. I, I've griped and complained to anybody and everybody else, and it's done nothing. But Father, I want to come to you and I want you to I want you to see where I'm at. I want you to feel what I feel, Father. I want you to I want you to be with me. I want to bring my complaints like the like scripture says. I want to do what's right in this moment. And Father, when I do this, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna praise you in this moment. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. God, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for our story um, about Moses in this season of life. And God, I thank you so much for the children of Israel and what they teach us about being surrounded by people who are complainers can lead us to a complaining life. Father, I thank you so much that you show us in your word that when we bring our complaints to you, Father, we are bringing them to the one who can do something about it. And Father, I love this scripture, especially verse 23. It says, is the Lord's hand shortened. Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. And it does. And Father, I believe that what you did for them, then, Father, you can still do it for us here today. Father, we love you. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.